Well, this message this morning has been in my heart for some time. You'll notice I'm breaking away from Psalm 119 and the series we're going through there. So may we all hear this word. May we receive it and lean into it as God speaks to us by his word. Kind of let us let everything else fade away. Amen. There's worries of the world and and the week and next week, but may we just receive the word of God. I've made notes for both adults and children, um, so follow along and and let's, uh, let's now just pray for God to go before us. O Holy Spirit of God, O Spirit, illuminate our hearts now. Illuminate this truth to us. Help us to hear it, receive it. O God, that we may be convicted, that we may be refined, that you would grow us and strengthen us and build us, each of us, in the way that you have, and together as a body, the words you have for us today, would you speak them, uh, take this truth, the living word of God, and may the Spirit apply it to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's stand together for our scripture reading from 1 John 3, verses 18 through 23. 1 John 3, 18 through 23. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. By this we know we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. Whatever we ask from him, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Amen. You may be seated. Now, before we go to our passage today, we need to lay a foundation to build upon. Uh, These verses are not clear if we just jump right into them. We need to enter with a right understanding. So let's, let's lay a foundation first. We know that in Christ we've been saved. Amen? We've been redeemed. We've been rescued. God has freed us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his dear son. We know that in Christ we were chosen, set apart And now we live by the grace of God. We've received the mercy of God. We've been set free from the chains of sin and death. And we know that in Christ, our sins have been imputed to him and Christ's righteousness was placed upon us. So that that we are even called the righteousness of God, created in him to do good works for his glory. We know that in Christ, we were bought. We were purchased with a price. The price being the sinless Son of God, the one sacrifice for sins. The Father did this. Christ was put forth as a propitiation by his blood, by the perfect obedience and righteousness of Christ, he was given as a payment so that he is the just and the justifier of all those who have been given faith. This is a saving faith, so that we now believe 
in the Lord Jesus Christ over us and over all. In Christ, we know that through the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit, we are justified before God and adopted as sons and daughters of the King. Why? Because of our righteous deeds? No. But according to the pleasure of His perfect will, to the praise and glory of His grace. And in that, He accepts us and receives us and loves us. And He supplies to us every spiritual blessing and all things that pertain to life and godliness. In Christ, we know that we have an incorruptible inheritance, that we are even made joint heirs with Christ. The Holy Spirit of God dwells within us now, and we who rebelled, who turned against God, have now been forgiven, and we are no longer under condemnation, but we are free and alive in Christ. Hallelujah. We are no longer condemned. We are in Christ. Is that right? Is that the truth? Well, that is the truth. But sometimes we forget this. Sometimes I forget this. And we actually believe that all those things I just read are not true. Uh, Particularly... When we sin, or when we are sinned against. And when the enemies of the Christian try to convince us that none of that is true. Uh, But that's not God's will for his children. He has for us to live in him in freedom of condemnation. And to be set solidly in our position in Christ. To firmly believe in him and upon the truth of the saving work of Christ, to abound, to thrive, to joyfully, as our brother said, live in Him as His ambassadors, confidently and assuredly trusting in God, so that we may, like Paul, consider all things loss for the excellency of knowing and gaining Christ, that we may love God with our whole lives, And in that, love one another. So this morning, we're going to discuss the spirit of condemnation. And that how in Christ, we are not condemned, but we have confidence in God who is able. And then lastly, we're going to apply this practically to our lives. Condemnation. Our condemnation before God is the result of original sin, the fall of mankind. When Adam sinned, sin and death entered the world. But sin and death didn't just stay with Adam. It spread to all mankind. And by Adam's sin, or his offense against a holy God, all men received judgment. The judgment of God came upon all men, which resulted in condemnation. Our sin brought the righteous anger and the holy wrath of God Almighty upon us all. The condemnation of God is that we were born in sin, with a standing against God, a position rebelling against God and against His holy law, 
dead in our sins, with no hope and no means, really no resources to save ourselves to get a right standing with God. But God sent his son. He sent his son to redeem us, to save us from God's wrath and condemnation. As Romans 5 says, Therefore, as through one man's offense, that's Adam, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, that's Jesus, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience all were made sinners, also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. So I'm going to say this little phrase, in Christ, many times this morning. You, could, you can count them if you want. We'll see how, what it adds up to. But that's, that's the, if you forget everything else, remember, we are in Christ. We're not beside Christ. We're not looking at Christ. Our position is in Christ. And in Christ, we are not condemned, but we are redeemed. We are justified. We are made righteous. And children, this is the first statement on your notes. In Christ, we are not condemned, but redeemed, justified, and made righteous. Because Christ appeased the wrath of God for all who believe on him. And those being justified by faith have peace with God. This 1 Corinthians 15.22 says, For as in Adam all die, but also in Christ all shall be made alive. So having been redeemed, we are no longer before God in a position of condemnation. It's not our position anymore. Rather, in Christ, we are in a position of righteousness, of freedom, of peace with God. But the most accurate way to say it biblically is that we are in Christ. In Christ, by his sacrifice, is the only place of no condemnation for any human on this planet. It's the only place. The free salvation of God is only found in Christ Jesus. Because it's not, it's not that God just took away our condemnation. Sometimes we think that way. Well, he took away the condemnation. No, when Christ died, we died with him. We died to sin. We died. The old self is gone and all things are made new in Christ. So that we even rose with Christ so that we are alive to God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jesus, by his sacrifice, condemned sin in the flesh, so that no, we no longer live by the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So now we live for God, right? With, with belief, in faith. It's only by Christ and in Christ that we are justified before God. And what is our response to this? We are humbled by it. That we were undeservedly rescued while still dead in our sins, while still shaking a fist and rebelling against God, he saved us. And by faith, we are confident. 
We are confident that we knew we could not save ourselves in that state. Only God has the power to do so. So it is our position in Christ is a position of humble confidence. That's that's the mindset, that's the attitude, that's the continual disposition of the Christian is humble confidence. Humbled that God saved me due to nothing I've done and confident in Him by faith. Condemnation is never the position of the born-again Christian. Yet, I think we experience it at times, don't we? All of us know, all of us probably have felt and understood the spirit of condemnation. Overcoming the spirit of condemnation is so important in our Christian lives. For if we do not remember and live out the truth of God, we will struggle to have joy, to have peace, to overcome sin, and to love one another. Battling the spirit of condemnation. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Amen. No condemnation. And to battle the spirit of condemnation, again, we must first understand our position in Christ. We need to understand our identity in Christ rightly. Christ is not like a superhero that flew in and fixed some major problem in our life to make life better for us. Sometimes we think of Jesus that way. Sometimes even in the word Savior, we think that way. Jesus just fixed everything so we can go on in life and peace. No, that's the wrong idea. We are alive in Christ, not outside of Christ. We didn't just watch a superhero do some amazing thing. Christianity is not a spectator sport. It is only in Christ that you were wholly transformed into a new creation. So we live in Christ, which is how the Word of God represents Him to us. Romans 8, we are more than conquerors in Him who saved us. You can't be a a conqueror if you just know what Christ did. It's only in Christ where there is victory over sin and death. 2 Corinthians 5, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Ephesians 2, We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Galatians 2, I have been crucified with or in Christ. And lastly, John John 1.12 says, Through faith, there is a receiving of Christ into Christ. And we see, not only are we in Christ, but there is an active role in it. There is a participation that comes and is born out of faith. I think we're all familiar with Ephesians 6, right? Put on the armor of God. Anybody, right, familiar with that? It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the wiles of the devil. Wait a minute. Why do we have to put on the armor of God? I mean, why, don't, why doesn't Jesus put it on us? So we're just ready. What about Romans 13, 14? Put on the Lord Jesus Christ 
and make no provision for the flesh. We know we are in Christ. We are in the Spirit. And with the spiritual armor, we know we have it available to us. So this call to put it on is given to us to exhort us to the importance of our active role in it by faith, by trusting, by knowing our standing in Christ. Our faith is not just something we just have and it sits there. We exercise our faith. We live out our faith because it will be challenged, particularly by the enemy. The enemy knows it's our faith that enables the Christian to life. In faith, we know that we are clothed in Christ, and so this active image of putting on Christ is important for us because we must willingly believe and live in Christ. In other words, as Christians, we're going to do things in Christ. We live by faith in Christ, not by, not by our ability to be like Jesus. And this is an important uh, thing that we understand, the difference of, because we're never going to be perfect like Jesus in this life, are we? I I think most of us have figured that out. And and sometimes there'll be a godly person in your life, and you'll think, I want to be like that person. Have you ever done that? Right? And, And amen. I mean, that's a good thing, right? God's given us godly examples that we should look up to. But that's sanctification. That's growing in holiness. That's more of a, what would Jesus do? And amen for that. But what we have to understand first is our standing in Christ. That we can only live by faith in the Son of God. So our standing is not dependent upon our perfection, but upon His perfection. What He has done. Not what we do. And this is the gospel of Christ, right? This is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe, to all who know by faith that they are in Christ. Because the enemies of the Christian, which are commonly referred to as the world, the flesh, and the devil, they will do everything in their power to convince you that you are not in Christ and that you are condemned by God. This is the spiritual battle that we are soldiers in. This is the depth of it. This is the essence of it. The world and the flesh and the devil are against God's truth. John 15 says the world will hate you. Matthew 10, you will be hated by all men for my sake. 1 John 3, don't be surprised that the world hates you. And even the flesh, the flesh, our own flesh, is opposed to the Spirit. Galatians 5, James 4, Romans 8 tells us the flesh is contrary to the Spirit of God. And the the works of the flesh are evil. And then there's the devil, the accuser, who's actively working to undermine, to ridicule, to destroy To steal the truth, the father of lies disguises himself as an angel of light. See, the enemies of Christian are striving to get you to question whether you are in Christ by bringing the spirit of condemnation upon you. The devil looks for opportunities to take advantage of you when you are vulnerable. 
And when you think about your Christian life, when do you think you're most vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy? It's certainly when we take our eyes off of Christ. And for most of us, I think it's at three different times when we're very vulnerable. It's when we sin. It's when we're accused of sin. Or when we are sinned against. These are some of our most challenging times. And this is exactly what we see in 1 John 3, our passage today. So we're going to start with the works of the devil. And now we're going to talk about the demonic a little bit. And I know that may make some of you uncomfortable. And I understand. I know where you're coming from. It's not something we want to sit around and talk about much. And we shouldn't. But at the same time, we're in a battle. We must know the enemy. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 2, we must keep Satan from taking advantage of us by not being ignorant of his devices. So we have to be aware. So what are we dealing with? The devil. He's called the evil one. Satan. A roaring lion. He's the god of this age, the prince of the power of the air. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's called a liar, a thief, destroyer, perverter. He's the attacker of the word of God. He spreads false doctrine. He deceives the nation. And he is a master at mocking the Christian, at degrading you and pushing lies upon you, to instill fear in you. It's his whole job. And he's good at it, right? He works 24-7, he never takes a day off, and he's busy. He's good at it. He's been doing it for 6,000 years. Yet remember, in all this, he is under the sovereign hand of our God. Amen? So I want to bring this to you by one example, and I've tried my best actually to diagram this out. I'm not a graphic artist, but you can, I tried to make it simple to follow along what 1 John 3 tells us. Let's say a brother or sister comes up to you and says something like this. Hey, brother, you know I love you. And I just wanted to tell you, I, I saw you speaking to your son over there. And it looks like you were pretty angry at him. And it actually looks like you were pretty harsh towards him. Now pause right there. Two considerations. First of all, praise God for that brother coming to you and saying something. Amen? That takes faith. That's hard to do. Secondly, at that moment, when the brother spoke to you as a child of God with the indwelling Holy Spirit, what will likely happen is that there will be some form of conviction in your heart, right? Now, at that moment, the devil's goal is to take that conviction and turn it to condemnation. That's what he's trying to do right then. Remember, we're vulnerable. We've been admonished. This is where the enemy wants to intervene and say something like this to you. You know, he's right. You are just harsh. You're awful. 
There's no hope for you. What kind of parent are you anyway? You don't bear the fruits of the Spirit at all. Your child's probably just lost and gone because of you. That's condemnation. That's the spirit of death. This is what the devil wants, to stir this up in your soul and to knock away any confidence you have in Christ to get you to believe the lie that you are condemned. And this spirit of condemnation, here's the thing. If we give in to it in our hearts, it can actually turn outward. That's what Jesus said. Actually, our brother mentioned that already, right? Jesus said, for out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if we believe just for a millisecond the spirit of condemnation and we buy into it, we will then spread that condemnation. And we begin to condemn those around us. So that brother that spoke to you, you turn on him and start to have thoughts like this. What is that guy talking about? He doesn't know the situation. I wasn't harsh. How dare he criticize me? Plus, that guy, he has all kinds of problems in his family. His children are a mess. Wow. The condemnation has spread. And some of you have experienced this. I know I've had thoughts like this. I just confess it to you, brothers and sisters. And it's a shame. Maybe some of you have, have had this happen. You sin. You, you're the one that sinned, okay? And you know you sinned. And all of a sudden, you're just mad at everybody else. Like, what? <laughs> What's going on? That's the demonic spirit of condemnation. And we need to reject it and remember who we are in Christ. The devil brings a spirit of condemnation between Christians, and he does another significant thing that we need to be on guard for, and that is suspicion. Has anyone ever here been suspicious of something? Of course, we all have, and, and it's actually a means of discernment, right, to suspect something. But we've got to check our hearts, because it can be something that the, the enemy uses to, to turn and, and devise e- evil within us. So what should we do if we're suspicious about someone? What do you think we should do? Should we go talk to other people about that person? No. We know what we should do. We should go to them. We should talk to them. Don't let those suspicious thoughts stir in your mind because they will torment you. They will distance you. You can't give in to that trap of the enemy. But let's go back to that point of conviction, okay? The brother walks up to you He tells you, it looks like you got angry, it looks like you were harsh with your son. We've been admonished now by a brother. What should we do? We should do what we should always do as Christians. We should keep our eyes focused upon Christ. We should live in Him. We should walk in the Spirit. We should abide in Him, not dependent upon our works, but upon His. We should remember our position of humble confidence in God and who we are. When the conviction comes and we turn to God for mercy and forgiveness, we embrace the truth. We turn to God. Our brother admonishes, and admonishes us, and in Christ, we remember, God saved me. 
God loves me. I am a sinner, but he redeemed me. And there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I believe in Jesus, and this brother loves me. That's the truth. We need to proclaim the truth. This is living in the Spirit. This is where life is going to abound. This is where humility opens the door to unity. This is where growth and godliness takes place. This is where your confidence and faith in God increases. This is where the fruit of the Spirit is born. So in conviction, you turn to that brother and you say, thank you, brother, for coming to me. You're right. I was angry and harsh. And I need to go talk to my son. Don't let the devil beat you up with lies. When the condemnation comes, turn to God right away. That's what we can do in faith. James 4, 7 says, submit yourself to God. In other words, turn to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. This is exactly what Jesus did upon the devil's accusations to him in the desert. His human nature, Jesus was vulnerable. He didn't sin, of course, but he was vulnerable. He was hungry. His human nature was, was, was alone, right? Separated from, from his brothers. But he responded rightly. Matthew 4, 8 says, Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, All things I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. What did Jesus do? Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Jesus refuted the devil with the truth by the word of God, and we must do the same as well. That's what we've been given. We must exercise our faith in Christ. Children, you'll see this is the second statement on your notes. That Jesus refuted the devil with truth by the word of God. And and just as a side note, this is a little pet peeve of mine, never capitalize devil or Satan. Don't give him one ounce of honor. Break the English language. It's little, but we do whatever we can. So, devil with a small lowercase d, E-V-I-L. We must refute the lies of the devil with the truth of who God is, what he's done, and who we are in him. Because what's the devil trying to do? He's just trying to oppose any good thing that God is doing. Particularly, the devil wants to infiltrate right here, the church, right? This is the bride of Christ. I mean, this is the target for the enemy, right? Remember, though, as we just read in James... The devil is easily put to flight when we resist him by the Spirit and believe in Christ's triumph over him at the grave. Remember what Jesus has done, right? Remember Colossians 2? He disarmed the principalities and powers, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. These are the beautiful truths we just need to live and proclaim. So, moving on from what the devil does, what about the flesh? What about the flesh? Let's, let's look at our text now in 1 John 3, verse 18. Follow along. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and truth. By this we know we are of the truth 
and shall assure our hearts before him. Our position is where? In Christ, right? Our faith is exercised and lived out. So we don't just say that we believe in Jesus, because anybody could do that. No, we don't just say we believe in Jesus. It's evidence in our lives that we live in, believe and live in Jesus. So that this gives us confidence. God is working in your life. Do you believe that? Do you believe God's working in your life? You know, I know it's hard for us to see sometimes. I, I know in my own life, I think, I, am I really even growing at all? You know, am I, is there any sanctification happening here? Am I growing in holiness? But, but I'll tell you this. We can see it in each other much better, right? I mean, sometimes after church or during the week, I'm, I'm speaking to one of you. Maybe I'm having a phone conversation. I call some of you men throughout the week. And I have to say, I am just amazed. I am amazed what I'm hearing on the phone. I'm hearing conviction. I'm hearing faith. I'm hearing a love for God. And the biggest thing that goes through my mind is, wow, three years ago, this is not the conversation I would have had with this man. He is growing in God. Praise God. that He's doing that in all of us. There's more trusting, more hope. There's more faith. Praise God. And we know the truth and our hearts are assured before Him. And we see this in verse 20. If our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. If our hearts condemn us, what does that mean? Do our hearts condemn us? Well, unfortunately, they can. We're not perfect. Although we're not slaves to it, indwelling sin is still present within us, as Paul mentioned in Romans 6. So in the heart of every believer, doubts sometimes arise. Has anyone ever had a doubt? <laughs> and in those times, again, perhaps when we sinned, or when we're admonished, or when others sin against us, our flesh and our hearts can actually self-accuse us can actually torment us, can bring guilt and shame and condemnation against us. This is the works of the flesh. And again, I've tried to diagram this out on the back of your notes so you can follow along. But again, once conviction comes, we can take the wrong path. But in verse 20, if our heart condemns us, what? God is greater than our hearts, and he knows all things. Our hearts, our conscience is condemning us. It's oppressing us. It causes us to even question our relationship with God. But God is greater. God proclaims the truth. God knows we're not under condemnation. God knows all things. So we must, again, turn to God. If you hear the accusation, if you, if you sense the, the condemnation from inside, you must quiet your heart. You must still your heart before God and acknowledge that you belong to God and discern what the truth is. 1 John 4, 6 says, we are of God. We are of God. And by this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. 
In faith, you remember that you are in Christ and you run to him. You run to his truth because he knows better than you do, right? Isn't that what David said in Psalm 139? Search me, God, know my heart, test me and see if there's any anxious thoughts within me. See if there is any offensive way within me and lead me in the way of understanding. God is greater than our hearts. He knows all things. He will show us mercy when we come to him. He will comfort us. He will reassure us that we are his children. A phrase that John Calvin would use was quorum deo. To live our entire life in the presence of God, under the authority of God, to the glory of God. Coram Deo. We must remember that God is with us, so that we live with him. We, We walk, he's with us, dwelling with us in all things. We remember God, and we do this in faith. So we must turn to God and declare the truth. I am a child of God. I am redeemed. I am Now living by the Spirit, not the flesh, which is condemning me, I live in the reigning triumph of Jesus, my Lord, and he loves me. He does not condemn me. I'm not a slave to sin, but I am a redeemed tool in the hands of the righteousness of God for holiness to glorify him. I'm not perfect, but he is. I can do nothing without him who strengthens me. Now, verse 21 tells us a slightly different situation. There's another situation where actually your heart does not condemn you. Let's look at that. Verse 21, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. Now, in this case, your heart did not condemn you. Amen. Our conscience is free. And so in that place, we are open to move forward into the confidence of God. And this is where God always leads us. This is where we boldly come to the throne of grace. We can confidently go to God in life and in prayer. No condemnation, but confidence towards God. This word originally uh, speaks to the idea that you have the right to speak freely, like as a back then, like a a Roman citizen. You you had the ability to speak. You're, You're not censored. It's like how the apostles. They weren't oppressed. They just spoke confidently and boldly, didn't they? Right? Like in Acts 4. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. This is what confidence in God enables. Right? We can speak the truth. We have confidence in God. Children, you'll see this as a third statement on your notes. We have confidence in God. Remember the truth of uh, 1 John 2.28. Now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears we may have confidence and not be ashamed at his coming. And this is it. We turn to him, we abide in him, and he in us, If our heart condemns us, God is greater. So we turn to him that we may have confidence in God. James actually speaks to this abiding connection to our hearts in James 4.8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. We must purify our hearts before God 
so that they're not condemning, but we have confidence in God. And this really extends to the hope of heaven, doesn't it? 1 John 4, 17 says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we have, may have boldness in the day of judgment. Confidence. This confidence also extends to prayer, right? 1 John 5, 14. Now this is the confidence we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And again, we see the confidence in verse 22 of our passage today. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. As God's adopted children, we love God. And we willingly and even joyfully obey his commandments with thankfulness. Our following in his way and keeping his commandments flows out of our love for God, from faith and a right belief that he saved us and loves us. Remember Jesus in his earthly ministry, he always sought to please his father. Now, on Father's Day, we can think of that. We should do the same. We need to please our Heavenly Father. Lastly, in verse 23, and this, this, is, the, this is the connection to, to all of us in here. Verse 23, and this is the commandment that we should believe on the name of His, of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave us commandment. This is ultimately the result of the gospel. By faith, under no condemnation, firstly, we love God, right? We love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, being freed from a spirit of condemnation and a humble light confidence in God. We can now love one another, and we love to love one another. And so I'd like to conclude with bringing some practical applications from this passage in 1 John 3. Number one, the truth will set you free. Sometimes this condemnation, the spirit of condemnation, if any of you have known it or experienced it, you know that it can kind of be like an imprisonment, like a bondage of sorts. Jesus said in John 8.31, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So, so it's there in the truth. That's it's the imperfect illustration. If there was a locked door and you had the key, that, that's what it's the truth is the key. But you know, sometimes what, in the spirit of condemnation, it's like we're sitting in a prison cell and the door is unlocked. Christ unlocked it. You could just go and open the door and walk out, but we sit there in bondage. Remember I read from Psalm 124 this morning in our call to worship, right? What had Jesus done? He's broken the snare, right? We're like the bird in a trap. We've been freed. There's no condemnation. We're free, and it's in the truth by which we're free. And children, you'll see this on your fourth statement, on your notes. The truth will set you free, free from condemnation. Now we know the world, the flesh, and the devil will come against us and bring the spirit of condemnation. So what are we going to do to counter this? 
This is the warfare. This is really, again, the middle of the battle. This is where the enemy strikes from, from outside, right, the devil, and even from within, the flesh. So we must be practiced and ready. We must put on that armor. We must be watchful, sober, vigilant, on guard, especially when we're vulnerable, right? When we sin or when we're admonished or when others sin against you. Now, I haven't talked about that yet, but let's talk about that for a minute. When someone sins against you. When we are offended or hurt by another, we really need to operate in faith with a sound mind. We must be on guard for the spirit of condemnation. Remember that mercy triumphs over judgment. So turn to God. Your, your flesh will want you to turn away from God, right? But we must turn to God. We must cry out to Him for help. And we must remember when we are sinned against that we are sinners as well. And we must forgive. We already mentioned this in, from 2 Corinthians 2, but Paul connects a lack of forgiveness on our part with an opportunity for Satan to take advantage of us. We must forgive and move forward by faith in Christ. Next, as we said, we, we live coram Deo. We set our mind upon things above, keeping our eyes fixed upon Christ and close to his truth. Just as a side note, some of you may have noticed in, in, in our Christian circles and in the Bible, we have these phrases sometimes like, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, right? And, and some of you might go, what does that mean? I don't understand. I mean, is he here somewhere? Am I just supposed to stare at this man? Like, help me flesh that out a little bit. But what it means is that our souls, our hearts, are focused on not just a man, but upon your Savior, your Lord. It's recognizing He goes to work for us, that anything you do is done in Him. It's in His resurrection, His victory, His power. Another way of saying this is to remember. Remember your salvation. Remember the promises of God. Remember the truth. Set your mind on things above. Abide in Him, knowing He is our advocate with the Father. So matter, no matter what's happening in life, look to Jesus, look to what He's done for us and is doing, and you'll have hope in every circumstance. Thirdly, remember your position in Christ. Fourthly, recognize the lies of the enemy. And you've probably, some of you have probably heard some of these lies of the enemy. I just want to list out a few. The, these, these are the kind of condemning words that the, the demonic speaks to us. You're no good. You'll never grow. Nobody loves you. All these people are against you. You're probably not even saved. You'll never overcome that besetting sin. See, you just fell again. You're all alone and God is far away. You should be very afraid. Terrible things happen to good people all the time. Don't listen to that. 
Don't listen to those lies. Submit to God and resist the devil. We're not going to take that. It's blood-bought sons and daughters of the king, are we? No, we're going to recognize that. We will be good soldiers of Jesus Christ. We've been given the armor. We must actively put it on and believe. And if you're wavering, I, I waver, brothers and sisters. I know. I don't know if I can do this, God. The lies sound pretty real right now. Then cry out like that father did to Jesus. Do you remember what he said? Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Fifthly, we must stand with the truth of God and remember that the devil is under the hand of God. That was our scripture reading. Remember Isaiah 54? No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me. God condemns the condemner. We, we don't condemn the weapons of the enemies against us, but we're in Christ, and he has condemned that already. We are justified and vindicated by the grace of God, which he brings forth for our righteousness. Number six, walk in the spirit. We must meditate on the truth. Don't snuggle up with the things of the world. We must set our mind upward on the truth of God. Number seven, here's one we need to think about. Talk about God, not other people. It's just dangerous, right? Let's, let's, let love go before us and serve others and glorify him. As our text says, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. This is faith lived out. Number eight, stick close to the truth because the truth will set you free. Condemnation only puts you in bondage. Secondly, second application, will you condemn or will you hope in God? Will you condemn or will you hope in God? Sometimes when the spirit of condemnation comes upon us, we give it an inch. And if we give the spirit of condemnation an inch, it'll take a mile, right? We discussed how that condemning, accusing spirit can actually then spread out of us. And this is the problem when we give in to that, belief, that condemning spirit for a little bit, is that we, all of a sudden, try to play judge. Anybody ever found your mindset that way? I think we all know what that is. Jesus warned us of this. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. So, I want to explain this again by way of an application. This time I want to use parents. Here we are again on Father's Day. We've talked about parenting already a little bit. But, but let, let's explain it with this example that maybe a lot of us can relate to or understand. Sometimes as children get older, they don't make the choices that we want them to make. Okay. It's a reality. And sometimes this can even result in very difficult situations. Let's be honest. And for parents, it often brings a point of conviction, right? You might think things like, well, I, I didn't parent them very well. I was probably a hypocrite. It's probably because of all my sin that they turned out this way. But remember, what, 
remember, what, what wants to happen here? The enemies of the Christian want to intervene at that time of conviction and condemn you. And, and tell you things like, yeah, you messed up, you're a terrible parent, God could let, care less about you and your family, which can then flood into our heart and bring a spirit of condemnation upon others. And, and the, the thing that we should never do as Christians, and I think we can help one another in this. I know husband and wife, we can definitely help one another in this. One thing we should never do as Christians is try to analyze and sort it all out. And let me tell you what I mean. We'll have thoughts like this. Yeah, I wasn't a perfect parent, but, you know, it's mostly his fault. It's mostly my son's fault. And his sister. She was a really bad influence. Oh, and all those kids at church. I was always suspicious about them. You know, in the end, I'm really only about 7% responsible for this. No, don't do that. Don't assign percentage, percentages and try to sort out blame and sin. That is not for us. We don't want to play with the spirit of condemnation. We don't want to accuse. We don't want to distance ourselves. We must reject that and turn to God in humble confidence. We must stay in the truth of followers of Christ, in Christ, we must deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow Jesus. And instead, have thoughts like this. You know, I, I did a lot of things wrong as a parent that I could have done better. And I'm humbled over my sin. Forgive me, God. But I will trust that God will see us through this. He is with us, he loves us, he's for us, and he can save me and my child. I can't. Oh, God, help me. Turn to God. Have confidence and hope in him, and don't try to sort it all out. You can apply this to marriage or church relationships or work or ministry, anywhere. We just want to have humble confidence in God and resist the spirit of condemnation. Number three, and lastly, in your position in Christ, we must be confident because that is how we can love one another, is in Christ. Remember the truth. This is, this is an exercise I, I, I recommend to all of us. Remember Pastor Swanson a little while ago, he preached through Ephesians. I, I think he was just going to do like two messages and then he ended up doing like 20, which was great. But remember, remember when he, would, when, when he was in chapters 4, 5, and 6, he'd always go back to chapter 1, and he'd be like, we have to go back here. Do you remember that? It was kind of like, really, you have to do this again? Yes, he did. Right? Because we have to remember the truth of who we are in Christ first before we can go do anything for Christ. Amen? So here, here's what I recommend to all of us. Just read Ephesians 1 through 3 sometime. You could do it individually. You could do it as a family. And write down the truths of who you are in Christ. Okay, here's just, I'm going to list some of them. But you could get them all in Ephesians 1, 2, 3. There's a lot of other places in the Bible, but that's just a simple, concise place. God chose us in Christ. 
In Christ, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. In Christ, he lives in us. In Christ, we are adopted as his children so that we can cry out, Abba, Father. In Christ, we are accepted in the beloved. In Christ, we are redeemed. Let me, let me just pause on redeemed for a minute. God's grace is amazing, isn't it? We need it, and we need to like watch out for it. We need to be looking for it. Remember what Joseph said to his brothers? But as for you, you meant it for evil against me, but God meant it for good. How is that? That's our miraculous God. God takes the evil of the world, the flesh, and the devil that they push with all of their might, and he turns it to good. It's amazing. It's amazing. We have been redeemed, and he keeps on redeeming us and even our circumstances. In Christ, we have wisdom and understanding. In Christ, we have an inheritance. In Christ, we have hope, the riches of his glory. In Christ, he has given us works to do this life, things in this life that glorify him. In Christ, we who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. In Christ, we're no longer strangers and aliens, but children of God. And this is how we get to 1 John 3, 23. We believe on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and it's in him that we can go love one another. So let's go do that. Well, in conclusion, brothers and sisters, let us remember the work of Christ and how we now live in him. It's not about us doing some action in our own strength or successfully completing some works or following these little diagrams. Our job is just to believe in God by faith, to trust in Him, to rest in His, his work, not ours, right? To joy in His perfection, not ours. To, to trust in His work, not ours. And not to imitate Christ, right? Or try to work harder to become like Jesus, but to know and believe that we live in Christ Jesus by his power. Brothers and sisters, may we remember who we are in Christ. Because there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Turn to him and have confidence in God. We can live for him and love one another. The devil, our flesh, and the world are trying to separate and split up the body of Christ. We must resist the spirit of condemnation. For it is in his name that we live. We must exalt him, honor him, and praise him with our lives. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you and we ask God, for your mercy. We know your truth. Oh God, increase our faith that we may find rest and peace in you, in you alone. And that we may not be pulled away by the wiles of the enemy into the spirit of condemnation. But may we recognize it and know the truth that we are not condemned in the Lord Jesus Christ. And our position in Christ is where you have us forever. Oh God, do this work by the Holy Spirit among us now. In Jesus' name, amen.